0: Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at Pod. So my guest on the podcast today is Georgie Collinson. She is the author of the Anxiety Reset Method, Master Your Anxious Mind in 12 Weeks, which I think is a literal uh, answer to my prayers. Georgie, thank you for your time today. I really want to go deep on anxiety. I think it's something that a lot of people, when they come to sobriety, I think a lot of people first off drink because they might feel socially anxious or they might suffer from anxiety. And alcohol seems to take the edge off those feelings until it doesn't. And then when people come to sobriety, they feel anxious about stopping drinking. So this whole like alcohol anxiety feedback loop is... It's a really interesting one and it's one I think I was really stuck in before I quit drinking. So I don't even know where you want to start. Look,
1: I think a good place to start, Maz, and thank you for having me, is really to take the emphasis and the weight away from the problem of alcohol because we often see alcohol as like having this this chokehold over us, like it is the thing that is obsessively running through your thoughts you need it it's there to help you and support you when you're stressed when you're anxious and when we take this away it's really scary but if we look at it through the context of any kind of addiction or any kind of coping mechanism it's really just another one on the list alcohol Mm. food Emotional eating is always a a, a very common one as well. We've got online shopping. We've got sex addiction, porn. like All these other things are kind of, in a way, no different. Mm. It's just that alcohol is one that very quickly we feel the effect of relief from our feelings. But what it's actually doing is it's numbing, numbing us out from having to feel. 100%. Yeah. It's distracting us. And if we really want to shift this behavior and firstly, no shame, no judgment, it makes so much sense that it's become the thing for you in your life or that Mm. there's been a period of time that it's been the thing because everything in society, in popular culture tells us, oh, I've had such a stressful day. I'm going to have a drink or, you know, we celebrate with alcohol. It is there for us when other people aren't. Mm. It's there for us to soothe us and be a loving parent to us when our little child within us is freaking out Mm. or really sad or really scared. And the alcohol takes that feeling away and gives us comfort. And gosh, like when you don't know how else to comfort yourself and soothe yourself. Yeah. Like, thank God there's something. Right. But, with the awareness, now it's time to shift and make a new
0: choice and you can totally do that and there is so much hope. I love that, that thank you for saying all of that because I know somebody just made a big sigh of relief because mm. what I think we do is we don't get taught any other coping mechanisms. So, you know, there's a big education piece and I am I, really grateful that I think the narrative is changing. I think we're putting language to emotions more easily But when, when I grew up like there, you know, it was just like, what are you crying for? Put your big girl pants on and, you know, all, all of this kind of stuff. And then I think as an awkward teenager that didn't get boobs till she was 19 and feeling, you know, just like such a weirdo, I was like, well, alcohol, at least, like you said, it gets rid of those feelings. And what I found in sobriety is sobriety isn't a magic bullet. Sobriety is really hard because you have to actually sit with those feelings you know, and actually you just get comfortable with being uncomfortable. And is that kind of, and I know anxiety is a really broad term, but is that kind of what anxiety can feel like for people? Is this, is it a mix of nervousness and it's sort of like energy, but we don't really know what to do with it. And so it feels uncomfortable to us.
1: Yeah, totally. It, it's often people describe it as maybe a tightness in the chest, a butterflies in the stomach.
0: Mm. But
1: it could also be that we're so not really connected to how we're feeling that we don't even really notice it we just remember later that, oh, actually my shoulders are really tight, my jaws quite sore mm. because we've been clenching and holding on to tension all day long, but we're not really there with it, we're not present with it. So it's just those uh, later on you can kind of go, oh, I must be stressed because of this. Or it's the overthinking as well, the circling thoughts that you can't seem to break. And really the kind of anxiety that I mostly operate within in the in the realm with my clients is called high functioning anxiety this is our high achievers
0: guilty <laughs> <PhD.
1: people> achievers. <laughs> like so many people yeah. that i talk to i mean this is just our, in many ways our our normal quote-unquote mm. society is glorifying what is high functioning anxiety never resting not stopping being as productive as you can and Mm. trying to show up as this smiley,
0: happy person every single day when that is not what being a human is all about. Mm. You know, um, when you say that, I just have this picture of, so I have a four-year-old and he really loves watching the movie Inside Out, which I just love that he loves that. And we have like an emotions chart on his bedroom wall and we sometimes we're in the blue zone. But I love in the movie how... um, Sadness, like the part of the journey of the movie is joy trying to figure out what sadness is there for. So like joy is an emotion. It's quite obvious what her role is. And then there's anger and there's disgust and there's fear. But she's a bit like, what is sadness doing? And then in the end she has this revelation that sadness is so crucial for joy to exist. And I think we, it's exactly what you just said. We're so conditioned in society to be like, yeah, I'm great. Like everything's fine. No, no, no. It's, you know, and I think it's it's masking all of that. That's actually crippling us internally. Cause we're not connected to how we really feel. We're doing the juggle and putting on a brave face and it's just breaking us on so many levels. Yeah. And
1: what is the like classic movie coping mechanism we see when someone's going through sadness and grief, they go to the bar and they're yeah. drinking. Like I'm thinking about things like um, Bradley Cooper in a star is born, right? Yeah. Like these are so glorified, these images, or that's kind of almost the unconscious, okay, go do that. Like yeah. we, we get those messages kind of sent to us and it's not our fault. The other way that we can kind of see a somewhat negative emotion from another perspective is seeing anxiety as something you can actually be grateful for in your life. And a lot of people are like, what, what? do you mean? This girl, crazy?" <laughs> that's right but that's where eventually we get to that the very last part of the book Maz is like okay now we've gone through all of this and you've seen what anxiety has brought into your life it's Mm. inspired you to grow it made you uncomfortable so that you had to change you had to move and you had to ultimately become a better version of yourself Mm. so that uh you could Listen to the message in this anxiety and message, anxiety does have a message for us. It is kind of like when we're driving a car along the highway of our lives, Mm -hmm. and you know, when you sort of drift to the side of the highway and there's that bumpy edge and it makes that really loud noise,
0: yes,
1: yeah, yeah, that's anxiety. It's kind of saying, Hey, something's not working here, something's out of balance, and it's not saying, you have to quit your job or you have to leave your partner. It's not Mm. necessarily those big things that we think, Oh, I don't want to think of it like that. It could just be, Hey, you need sleep. Mm. Like we need to change up this whole sleep hygiene that's going on for you because it's not working. Or maybe we need to look at your gut health and what's happening there or your hormones and possible imbalances that could be supported There are so many different facets to anxiety. And so we we can work through the whole process to really bring ourselves back into balance. And then when it comes to sitting with your feelings, how much easier is that going to be on Mm. a day when you've actually had a good night's sleep?
0: Yeah, everything's different. Exactly.
1: like We all have those moments where we are just depleted and you've got no resilience left
0: Mm. and
1: a big emotional crisis happens or you've got like a stressful event and you're just going to be so much more reactive to that. So there's a process we can move through to build our resilience, Maz, to actually allow us to cope better with life. And actually by addressing our relationship with with alcohol, mm. that can really create such a big shift for our management of anxiety overall and our health overall and how we experience our lives.
0: I love how you frame anxiety in that analogy with the car because when I hear you say that, I kind of think anxiety is almost like this little inbuilt warning sign for us and instead mm. of us, you know, it can get overwhelming and it can get crippling. But if you can catch it early, it isn't necessarily a negative thing. Like on a chemical level, it's letting us know, like I, I go back to like, I think about when I was in primary school and I was like, bit of a performer, surprise, I know, shock horror. But, um, I remember like I had to do some performance and I was on the side of the stage and I just, and the word that I would use is that I was nervous. I was like I felt butterflies in my tummy but I was kind of excited but I was like oh my god what if I screw it up and I felt this nervous energy but I fed off that nervous energy and I went out and I used to crush it at my dance concerts because I felt like I fed off this energy and and in a way like sometimes as as I got older I got socially anxious it was a similar feeling but I've labeled it anxiety as an adult but I think sometimes it's still the same it's like, oh my God, I don't know how this is going to go. And sometimes that can be exciting, and other times it can just be our undoing.
1: Yeah. And this is where we can really start to see a difference between what is that high functioning anxiety and what is that stress that's almost good for us, that's helping us perform mm. at our best. Like right now, there will be some degree of stress in my brain, in my body, as I am needing to think clearly and respond to your questions and hopefully offer things of value as I speak. You know, you're nailing just, it, you're killing it. I'm not, not just chilling on the couch right now, right? Mm. So there is a degree of stress in my body, but it's not a stress that is going to linger once we get off this interview, right? So Mm. this is how we know that's kind of that healthier stress. And yes, chemically, it's a very similar experience to anxiety. But then the way we know we're kind of more in the realm of anxiety is that the stressful event is over. You know, you've finished your performance. You've done the thing you needed to do. The deadline is done, but there's still this feeling, I can't quite relax. I'm not Mm. quite safe to let go. And maybe there's an inner critic in your head saying that you haven't earned it, that you don't deserve that, that you're forgetting something, that it's somehow not safe to do so. Mm. And that's really a nice way of identifying what's what's going on for you and that there's more of this anxiety present.
0: Yeah, and I think that is definitely for those high-functioning anxious people, that's where alcohol is like such a go-to quick fix and so normalized where it's like I've had the worst day I'm just gonna smash a vino because I think initially it does make us feel relaxed for those of us who can't relax and I'm what that's my work in progress at the moment is Mm. trying to learn how to genuinely be present and relax and and not feel um the mum guilt for me is a really, really huge one that I'm, you know, working through. So I, you know, I think back to when I used to drink alcohol and it was this, I genuinely felt relief when I had that drink. And what I realized now in sobriety is like, I was actually chasing the feeling of relief, not the alcohol itself. And there are other ways to feel relieved without yeah. chemically changing the way your brain functions. But It makes sense because you put alcohol in your system, it sets up a whole bunch of neurotransmitters. It basically screws up how you think. And so then you just think differently about the exact same situation. You get more drunk. You fire off a couple of silly texts. You wake up at 3 a.m. feeling so anxious that you've done something utterly stupid. You wake up the following morning hungover and, and then you're in this spiral, right? Then you're stuck there. And that's when the anxiety... That you were trying to dissipate originally escalates so dramatically.
1: Yeah, a hundred
0: percent. That hangover guilt is the worst. In fact, sometimes I call it anxiety. Anxiety, the 3 a.m. anxiety, a hundred percent.
1: You're going to experience anxiety when you're hungover. Mm. And that is part of what's happening on that chemical level. We do talk about this a bit in the book, how the withdrawal effect after the uh, the alcohol has been consumed initially it's great because it actually mimics this chemical in your brain called GABA Mm. that is your calming neurotransmitter it switches off brain activity so it calms you right down your thinking slows down you're feeling good you feel that relief but it's not real GABA it's fake GABA so the next day all of a sudden it's gone and we've got this withdrawal rebound effect, like me pulling back a rubber band and then mm. snapping it back. And that's why we can all often experience heightened anxiety that's more than we had before the very next day. And it's one of those things that is kind of a vicious cycle because then we need
0: more, don't we, to calm it again. And that's what thats what I think most, a lot of adults just, it's so sneaky but they fall into this trap of like, okay, well, that's going to help. Well, that didn't help. Maybe it'll help this time. And then it, you need more and more alcohol. And it's just a, oh, my God, it's a whole thing. Um, so for someone listening to this who's like, oh, my God, I'm high functioning, I'm super anxious, and I'm drinking. The thought of drinking is causing me more, the thought of not drinking is causing me more anxiety how do we even like ninja mind trick ourselves into trying sobriety if it's so that thought <laughs> in itself is creating anxiety, right? Yeah.
1: Okay. I want to offer to anyone who's really in that struggling place, or maybe you've newly made the decision that you're going to commit to this, or you're just trying to get, muster up the courage, because it's really a really courageous
0: move. To it's, make, huge. Yeah. it's huge. It's yeah. huge.
1: Yeah. And honoring that for anyone who's in that place. But let's just try a bit of a reframe here, because I honestly, when someone's at that rock bottom place, mm. I feel so excited for them because you're hitting brick walls in your life. And that's because life wants you to move in a different direction and that new direction is let's find a new way because there's a better way to do it than what you've been trying so far what you've been trying so far to get through and cope Mm. has worked up to a point somewhat now let's use your awareness to upgrade up level into a whole new you so that's going to start with you acknowledging and understanding the process what's happening here Mm. I have uncomfortable emotions that I don't want to feel And so alcohol has been the thing that's been there for me. Mm. So we don't want to just take something away without giving you a similar comfort, a similar security blanket to what you've had. I think it's really cruel when we do that and we almost beat ourselves up like you don't have enough willpower or there's Mm. something wrong with you. Yeah. My gosh, like we can't do that to people. We have to say, okay, here's what you're going to do instead. And the best thing you can do. I really do struggle in a way to come up with that one tip for anxiety because there's so there's much, so to many, it, yeah.
0: And there's so I think it's such a spectrum, and there's so many tools. Yes. Um, but I appreciate that you that I, I feel like you've got something for someone. It might not be for everyone, but at least it's going to help one person, which is the point of this podcast.
1: Yeah, and I will I will share one in a second, but I will say. With the book, what you've got is a tasting platter of yeah. everything. So you can just sample what works for you. You don't have to apply every single one, but try every one once and see how that works for you. Because different things are going to resonate for different people. Like there's cold showers. Now that does that's freaks some people out. Yeah. Other people absolutely love it. It's just adding thirty seconds of cold water to the end of a hot shower. It. Totally resets your nervous system. It calms you right down. It's amazing
0: and so, super invigorating. So about six months ago, I I think I came across. I was like, I don't know. I went on a Wim Hof Bender on YouTube or something, and I was like, oh my god, I'm going to do cold immersion therapy. And so this is like in the dead of winter when I decided to do this, and I I was like, I'm going to have a cold shower. I get up at four in the morning. I'm like, I'm going to have a cold shower in the morning and to see if it you know does anything fun for me. And I swear to God. Georgie, I stood outside, like out of the water of the shower for like maybe five minutes going, (laughs) (laughs) (sighs) and then I was like, okay, okay, okay. And then I jumped in. I was literally in the shower. It was a shorter shower. did not wash any of my parts. I just was like, this is so cold. Anyway, it was the next day I tried it again and then I tried it again and then I'm happy to report I have a cold shower every single morning For probably two minutes, and it is a game changer. Like it is, I swear. I drink less coffee. I still have a few coffees because I do get up very early for breakfast radio. But it—it's like totally. But I've said that to people, and they're like, "You're insane. (laughs) Surely there's other things." But my point is, I tried a thing I was unsure about, and at first I was like, "But then I was like, no, this is working for me, and I'm doing what." works and this really true and now my husband does cold showers it's like a whole thing it's so cool I mean, there's this amazing flow on effect when we do stuff for ourselves yeah. that just inspires other people
1: you don't have to tell them to do it you just do it yes and people notice that and yeah. it's really cool maz you go girl that's thanks, amazing babe. yeah i love it it's sharing that because it, it,
0: yeah well it it like i said it wasn't it wasn't an easy thing and i was a bit like what am i doing but it, i genuinely feel and look, I don't I don't have the research studies to show like how much dopamine is getting like spazzed into my brain when I have a cold shower, but I feel so good. So I'm like, well, that's good. It's free. <laughs> so there's a few wins with this scenario for me and I'm enjoying it, right? Like I've actually learned to really enjoy it and, and I love psyching myself up and getting in there in the morning. Yeah.
1: And what you've spoken to is that transition from you, totally not wanting to do this, having all this resistance to now just being you every day is exactly what the whole process of mastering anxiety is about because it starts off so uncomfortable yeah, and we're not used to it. It's just that it's unfamiliar. And Mm. then it starts to become more familiar. And I want to just acknowledge too, because a lot of us go, well, I don't want to do all these uncomfortable things. Mm. Well, you're already uncomfortable Because you're already experiencing all this anxiety and you're already in this spiral and this cycle that keeps going on and on. So why don't we choose the discomfort and a discomfort that's going to help you grow and move in a direction that's way, way healthier for you and ultimately going to bring more joy into your life and bring you into a place of loving yourself and loving your Mm. life more. So the thing I was going to mention, other than I love that we went on that cold shower spiel, (laughs) but the thing that is a really like, coming to my surface for me that I feel everyone needs to hear is that the tool to work with when you are feeling an uncomfortable emotion is really so much more about having some sort of comfort in that emotional realm and you can give that to yourself. When we're little children, we have all these moments that come up for us where we're freaking out mm-hmm. or we're really sad or we're angry or feeling some kind of emotion and we don't have anyone there to soothe us. There's just been some moments where we didn't get those needs met. Maybe you were told to take a shot of concrete or put your big girl boots on or whatever Mm. those things were, or can't you just be happy? Or why are you doing this to me? I just want you to be good. You know, we're Mm. sort of shamed almost from our feelings, but little children cannot soothe their own nervous system. We actually need a parent a grown adult to come and give us a cuddle and just hold us while we feel. And a lot of us had many moments where we didn't have that.
0: Mm. You
1: might've had some moments where you did, but often there were these key moments that it didn't happen. So now that you're an adult and you know this and you understand this, it's time to reparent yourself. And you can do that by literally noticing that when you do feel a negative emotion, it could be anxiety, but it could be another one too. All you're needing in that moment really is something emotional. And it could be some words from yourself that are loving. It could be you reminding yourself, you know what? You are doing your best. You're doing such a good job. Given all the things you're dealing with, what a great job you're doing. You're choosing to show up. You're trying. Mm. And I'm proud of you. And just saying it to yourself, it can feel so cringe. I know. So weird. Like, I, so many clients that come to me at the start, I'm like, say, I love you in the mirror. And right out of 10, how comfortable that feels. And that's what we do is like part one of like wow. the, the intake when they start. And so many people are just like total cringe, can't do it. But by the end, we make it familiar. Mm. And to be a person that can comfortably say to yourself, I love you in the mirror is so empowering because then we're not waiting for other people to say it to us anymore.
0: Yeah. Oh that's really cool. Because when you think about it like I'm just thinking about when my 4-year-old has his meltdowns about you know because I cooked lasagna and he wanted freaking sausages or whatever it is. And it's a <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10 meltdown when it's about dinner because he loves food. Um and I but I hold space for him when he has those big emotions and I'm like, well the adult equivalent of that is holding space for yourself. And we don't hold space for ourselves. We numb ourselves and we, we, um, we forget about ourselves because we, we have the, I think alcohol being that multi-tool of coping, which is usually for a lot of people, the only coping tool that they have, it just like, it cuts everything out. It blanks you out. It dulls you down. It cuts you off. And you're doing the opposite of holding space for yourself when you tap into that tool and so just to be even aware of the fact that you can self-talk and you can self-love, and it might not be this big romantic thing and it might be really weird at first, but at least to know that it's available and it's a start I think is so cool for someone listening yep. right now who's like, huh, maybe I'll try that. There's this really cool, I do little sort of nighttime meditations with little Henry um, on the Calm app, which is so cool for kids. And there's one that... Um, they have all the different characters, a Minions one and a Trolls one. And in one of the Trolls ones, Poppy does a self-hug. It's like a five-minute self-hug time because in the movie Trolls, there's hug time, right? And she's like, oh, it's hug time and there's no one here. And, oh, well, oh, I guess I'll just do self-hug because self-love, right? And I'm like, yes, self-hug. Like, yes, let's, you know, I'm so hot on, on teaching my child and. and anyone that will listen, but that that younger generation about all of this stuff so they don't wind up with all of the dependencies that we have as high-functioning adults.
1: I'm so excited for the generations being raised now with so much more awareness of these things, so yeah. much more consciousness in parenting and just bringing that awareness so that we can show up and regulate these little nervous systems mm-hmm. and hopefully make a bigger change Um, on the planet and in humanity as a whole. But can I also just say how hard it can be too? Because the reflex reaction when you see your child responding in a very emotional way and, you know, you're already dealing with your own stuff, is to go back to how you were treated and how Mm -hmm. you were parented. It's like that reflex of, oh, you're okay, come on, settle down or whatever it might be. So to shift that too takes a lot of awareness and a lot of work and you won't do it every time Mm -mm. and that's okay but the more you do it for yourself the more you are going to be able to have space to do it for others too and not just your children but your loved ones, your, your other loved ones, your um, partner, your friends, your family, wider family. And that's a really beautiful thing to be able to bring into just holding space for people. We need it more, just not always giving advice, not always saying, oh, well, the brighter side is, have you thought of this? It's like, yeah, just be with this sadness right now. It's okay. Mm. I love you anyway.
0: One um, really cool one that I want to share Um, so I'm married and so obviously my husband has gotten really good at dealing with a high functioning, anxious person. (laughs) And we, um, we do this thing now, this is only a recent thing that we've sort of started to do because we're having some like pretty big miscommunications in our relationship. And so now if one person is in a mood, (laughs) I'll let you guess who's in a mood more often. If one person is in a mood, the other person will say, do you need solutions or comfort? Oh, good one. Because what we were finding was when I'm having a tiz and he's a dude and he just wants to fix everything and that was not what I always wanted. I didn't want a solution. I just wanted a moment. I just wanted comfort. I just wanted a cuddle. And on the flip side, you know, he might be having a moment and I'm there hugging him and he's like, just tell me what to freaking do. (laughs) You know, and so that I think, and that's in... You can say that to your kids uh, who are probably a bit older, but also, I mean, even in like in an appropriate work colleague situation, if you have a work colleague who's going through some stuff, you can say, hey, do you want solutions or do you want some comfort? Do you want to just go and have a coffee and chat about it and just talk to me about where you're at? Or do you want me to help you, you know, like curate a plan to solve this issue for you? And I think that's such a cool question and it's not confrontational and it's not passive aggressive and it's not righteous. Like it's just this really nice balance of meeting someone where they're at and going, Do you want cup A or cup B? Because but I can give you either, but I want you to tell me which one you need.
1: Yeah. I love that so much because often we are asked or we're encouraged to ask, what do you need in that moment? And then when you're in a heightened emotional state and someone's like, what do you need? And you're like, oh my God, there's like a million different things I can choose to just have A choice between cup Mm. A and cup B actually makes it so much uh, easier for someone. And that's a really caring thing to do. So I love that. But going back, Maz, to what we can do for ourselves and what that can look like, it could be you're driving in the car and you've got your kids screaming in the back, but you just take that moment while you're driving to say words to yourself, like you are doing such a good job. You imagine the little girl in you and you speak to her. You might have a little photo of her that you kind of keep somewhere and you mm. just say, hey, I love you. You're doing your best. You're a great person. You do, you're a great mom. And the more we say this to ourselves, the more we make that true for ourselves
0: as well. I love that. That's so powerful. And these, you know, the thing that I love about this conversation, Georgie, which I'm just, I'm so enjoying it because it's really practical and it's not, um, it's not really difficult to wrap your head around what we're talking about, right? Like a little bit of self-care, yeah. a little bit of um, positive self-talk might seem like something that feels weird. But it's also not difficult to tap into, not as hard as a cold shower, you know, and and what I love also about what you were saying about your book is like use it as a bit of a menu, you know, use it as a tasting plate, as a grazing platter Mm -hmm. to go, here are a bunch of tools, I'm just going to try them all out and see what works. And just to even know that there might be one thing there That can be the thing that you use to help move you forward out of that either crossroads or rock bottom or however you want to explain that, you know, describe the moment. I think that that's so accessible and that's what these conversations, I think, are needing to be is accessible, not, you know, theoretical pie in the sky. I think it needs to be like so conversationable, um, so conversational, so relatable and just really accessible to people. Um, And the language that we use, you know, it's two gals having a chat about anxiety. You know a lot more about it than I do, but I've got lived experience. So I hope that this conversation is, you know, it's really mirrored in what people are going through. And it's the kind of conversation that they can go, oh, my God, it was like eavesdropping on a conversation I needed to eavesdrop on.
1: Exactly. And you know, it's is so important that we speak about this because if only we all had two hours a day to just do our yoga and meditate and feel <laughs> our feelings, but often we don't. So it's yeah. about taking the five minutes, you know, mm. or the one minute mm. to, you know, hand o- hand on heart is another beautiful one, Maz. It's just like if you listening to this right now, anyone listening, just put your hand over your heart and just lean into your own hand supporting you. So put quite a bit of pressure there. It's so comforting. Mm. And so it's something you can do if you're feeling emotionally overwhelmed, that just feels like there's something supporting you, something there for you. And it really does regulate your nervous system. So if you're in that moment where you're feeling a strong urge to drink alcohol, or you don't know what else to do, there's always something you can do.
0: For you to meet those needs. Georgie, thank you so much. Georgie's book is called The Anxiety Reset Method, Master Your Anxious Mind in 12 Weeks. Um, and I also love that the endorsement that you have is from one of my favourite human beings on the entire planet, Sarah Wilson, who says an approachable program I wholeheartedly yeah. believe actually works. And you, you couldn't get a more spot on endorsement from in Sarah because Sarah, this is this is her world too, right? Anxiety is like, she's got so much lived experience. So I I just love that so much.
1: Thank you, Maz. That was such a special thing that Sarah um, shared reading the book and, and it's just beautiful. So I'm so happy it's out in the world for people.
0: Thanks for listening to Last Drinks Podcast. If you love this podcast, then subscribe. For more inspiration and to reach out, you can follow us on Instagram at lastdrinkspod. Have Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row.